Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. I missed you all. Glad to be back. Yeah, we had an off week. Uh, some things happened that we just couldn't do an episode last week, but we are back. And what a week to come back to. We're covering episode nine of Survivor Edge of Extinction. Y'all making me crazy. So I I think, I don't know if I speak for everybody, but I feel like in general, this has been a season that I've been pretty low on. Like, I feel like there hasn't been a great episode yet. Uh, maybe that's a little harsh, but like, it really feels like no episode have really been very, very good, uh, other than maybe the Aubrey boot. Um, but this episode, I thought, was really very well done um, all around. Uh, and I feel like this is the first episode that was like really good. Uh, it has me actually excited for what's going to happen next, and that's the first for this season. Yeah, it was a very unconventional episode. I think we went to Tribal... 30 to 25 minutes before the end of the episode. So you knew things were going down. People thought it might be a double boot. We weren't quite sure, but nope. It was just a live tribal. So, I don't know. Stuff like this, it was obviously very good, very enjoyable to watch. Um, An actual live tribal where something literally happened, like we were talking about a few weeks ago. Um, But... I kind of hate it because now live tribals are like super cool. Like when it's unlikely that other live tribals are going to be this exciting. It's going to be a lot of that whispering. We can't decipher and have no idea what's going on. Yeah. For my money, the actual, the live tribal aspect of this episode was the worst part. Oh, Um, okay. Like, so I think the parts that were super intriguing, I actually think was before Tribal. I think they did a good job of telling the story of, like, why it's so crazy. Like, we, I think we got a good vibe of, like, okay, so Gavin's out of Eric's shadow now, and now Eric, Gavin's ready to play. And Gavin doesn't... Gavin is a player who uh, wants his voice heard over the group. He says something along the lines of, uh, I thought my voice... I had a vote here, but this is a dictatorship against three people when he's just one. So I thought that was kind of... Interesting, we get, like, the rise of Gavin, we get yeah. uh, the reforming of David and Rick, we get um, Julian and Rick, we get Wardog making his group. We, I felt like it did an exceptional job of telling the story of what was going on into the vote. And then at Tribal, I think the interesting part was all the parts until they stood up. Uh, when Rick is like, wait, Aurora, what do you mean by that? Yelling in public? Like, that was really fun. Because it was mm-hmm. like, you could hear it, you could tell what was going on, Aurora's kind of hanging, her and Julia, Julia's messing up. The parts that weren't fun was all the running around whispering each other's ears that it was possible to follow, in my opinion. I think this is one of the one times where, like, I got it, like, but it was also very easy to get what's going on, because no one was really whispering as much as just congregating and saying things very out in public. Um, but yeah, I think... It's still going to make for bad future tribals where this is acceptable. They need to either, like, just, like, mic pack them for tribal or, like, set some rules in place. Which I don't see why they would do that because this is apparently exciting and, like, good television. Well, like, I don't know. I I took a stroll on the old Facebook page of uh, Survivor and... The Facebook moms are angry. They didn't understand what was happening. Um, oh, I, I hate Facebook part- moms. I know, right? I hate <laughs> soccer moms. Um, like, I don't know. I feel like there is, there is backlash to this, and it 
is actually coming from I think the super 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 duper fans and the like Facebook casuals. But then there's like the center in the middle of that, which is like we like excitement, we want changes on formats, woo! That really love this mm-hmm. shit. Uh, but I'm not either of those camps. I, I in general I don't like uh, I don't like the whispering at all. But I think this one had enough people calling each other out and publicly, which is the benefit of tribal council. Like, that's the whole reason tribal council's there is that they talk through things in an open forum. Like, that's a good thing. Like, when Rick's like, wait, Aurora, what do you mean by that? It's not so fun when Rick's whispering in whoever's ear. And... But that those parts, I think, are the part that no one remembers. It's the, like, shut up, war dog. It's the, you're a passenger, Rick. Like, that's the stuff people remember from this. Um, it's not, oh, how crazy is it that Kelly whispered in Lauren's ear? True. They need, like, the rules of the surely critically acclaimed movie from a few years ago, The Circle, where they all have to stand on their own circle and they don't, they die. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, like, I don't yeah. know. But overall, I like, are you with me here that this was, like, a really great episode? <laughs> I think it was one of the better ones so far. I mean, talking about the story before the tribal, yeah, it was really great. And that was also, like, in like 30 minutes on the hour, like with commercials and everything. So yeah, they did a lot of work to make that all make sense. Um, Yeah. I think overall, this is a really good episode and a season that I think has just been messy. Like we didn't cover last episode, but it's almost as if last episode and this episode are from a completely different season. Oh yeah. Gavin and Julia and Victoria have been in power all along. Um, it's just a weird mess. And yeah, like I, I assume we'll talk a little bit about last episode, but I do yeah, for think sure. that the biggest problem with this season is that storylines just get dropped like crazy. Like it, there really is no um, like all of a sudden Eric and Ron are running the show. They hadn't spoken before then. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're this power duo and uh, mm. every, like bossing everybody around and them and Rick are super tight. It's like, this hasn't been on the show yet. Um, but th- that episode and this episode actually worked pretty well together. Um, yeah. But like there is a problem with the season, just dropping storylines, dropping relationships on you and just like, Oh yeah, this is a group. And that's a huge problem. Uh, with the previous episodes, but like a one, this one-two punch here of like, hey, everything's reset now. Like, it, at least that works, but it is a huge problem, I think. Yeah, I think we've seen this in seasons before, where it's like Game Changers was like this, where it would just pick up and drop stories, and I think they kind of sort of had to do that for uh, Sarah's like lower visibility pre-merge to sort of have a sensible Mm -hmm. path, which makes me think things about this season, but I'm not sure on that. But yeah, it's just with last episode, especially no mention of Eric and Gavin together. And then what this episode sort of did to patch it up, but like also what it didn't do. I don't know. It's very messy is the word. Yeah. Like this is, like for me, this was a great singular episode of television, uh, in that it did tell the story. But this season has failed to tell the story overall, 
It's a big reason why this won't rank as one of the best episodes ever or anything. I think this could have been if there was more investment given to the characters and stuff. Like, if, like to me, this is almost just like this was like a bog standard episode of David vs. Goliath. This episode, in terms of like yeah. good editing, solid stories being told, and like th- like a jumbling wall. But the problem is that you can't just throw a good episode of David vs. Goliath, episode nine of a season that really has no story. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, there was this crazy tribal, but it's also the one where Julia went home. So, like, yeah, what what's happening? <laughs> and I do, as we go through, like, I, I don't know, I have some mixed thoughts because I think some people's stories have actually been told pretty well, including Julia's. I think Julia's story was exceptionally well done. Um, yeah, this it, season. it makes sense now. I mean, yeah. she's still here technically, but... Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my takeaway from this episode was, well, we figured out why Aurora and Julia got purpled. Like, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> this was an all time like. So, I mean, I guess before we talk about Julia's story, um, I have a hot take here. I think Julia is the worst player of all time. I have heard that from you already, and I think that is not true. Like, this is her second tribal council. Uh, oh, sorry, third tribal council. The first one, she gets Joe out. That's whatever, that's that's solid. Next tribal council, she blindsides her alliance for no reason because she gets duped by Wardog. Uh, and then the immediate next one, she is flipping on Wardog again uh, because she, she realized she was wrong, so she did get duped. And then she gets to tribal... And gets a unanimous vote on her when she was safe. Like that's that's like all time worst. I feel like um, with like the only qualities like we, like we knew about her were like she's stupid. Like that's pretty bad. Hmm. I don't know. I just feel like it's hard to put her there necessarily. Um, I do think probably what she did at camp, like. The awkwardness we saw, but also everything that led to that probably wasn't great. Uh, tribal, like, yeah, she wasn't doing great, but I think some people like Rick were also just doing a really good job of, like, controlling her rhetorically and making her make those mistakes. But, I don't know. I think it's really hard to say Julia's the worst when you have, like... So, so many first boots are like... I honestly give me Jatia over Julia. But, like, okay, most first boots are people who didn't get a chance. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm. like, is Reem a worse player than Julia because she got voted out for being old? I don't think so. Um, Like, I like I feel like most first boots, like, I, I think, like, Zane is in this category of, like, people who got themselves voted out. But, like, there's very few people in Survivor history who go from, like, 100% safe should be in a good spot to vote it out. Yeah. I just don't know if that makes you the worst player. <laughs> I guess for me, it's hard to be the worst player if you're the first one, I guess. Like, like the fact that she makes huh. it this far adds more, like, like, this should be, like, if you're in the final ten, and you're making the kind of sloppy moves that Julie is making, I feel like that is more than, like, Jenny Lanzetti or whatever from Korong. I don't know, but I think that Blindside last episode wasn't the worst because we saw it was validated to some extent. 
like she tried to speak to Eric. It didn't work out, and then she made her move. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's whatever. We'll get through it, but uh, <laughs> like I, I think that I think that she really is uh, at least in contention for worst player of all time. Maybe top twenty-five worst. But okay, maybe uh, the challenges this week were super boring. It's um, just I, all the immunity challenge or endurance challenges for immunity, yeah. and I'm, that's a little. Three is a little too many in a row. Like two. Who is even okay. won immunity this week? Gavin. Gavin, right? Yeah, like his big coming out party here, I guess. Uh, so let's go here to stories. This is the part where we kind of track the long-term stories, what we think's going on. Uh, I feel like we're probably gonna breeze through this because uh, a lot of them, like these two weeks, were a little weird. But we'll get to that. I think the number one thing that's emerged from these past two episodes is very clearly this passengers and pilots story, which yes. is all over the place. Yeah. Um, is the the tribal council said is it a plane or a ship? It's like a wrecked something, and like I wonder if that has a little bit of influence on this coming out. But yeah, um, at the last tribal council, they mentioned. Who was it who mentioned you're either in the pilot seat or you're a passenger? I think David Wright. And it's sort of, it's a, like, leaders versus followers, like, writing coattails, like, building your resume, like, theme. But it's, like, now become the sort of vocabulary of this season. Yeah, it's, like, literally, like, like oftentimes you hear coasters, <clears throat> active players, all that, like, um, and this is, like, Completely. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things in this season that have been like shot, like the show Lost, because um, I think it is a plane, uh, and Edge of Extinction's literally shot like Lost, like with the close-up eyes and stuff. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guarantee that's intentional, um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, it does have to do with that. These people won't stop talking about passengers and pilots, um, and I feel like we're gonna see a winner that constantly tried to be a pilot. Hmm. I think right now, neither is being presented as good or bad. It's knowing when to be each of these things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm a survivor at any time, but I guess, actually, you know what? I disagree with myself because the people who actually look the best are, like, Rick being like, I was like, okay, like, I'm okay with finding cracks in comma because there are cracks. Uh, I don't need to be a pa- I don't need to be a pilot. I'm okay with being a passenger and being a pilot later on. Um, that's kind of something articulated by Rick. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually think that might be kind of the intention here is um, because I think this I think this episode took the side of Rick of yeah look I'm right there was there was clearly cracks because they just voted each other out. So everyone who was saying I was dumb last week is wrong. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point we'll just get to about Rick because if anything for missing last episode we missed this really big turn on Rick that like we probably would have had a lot to talk about but I will get to it here but now that's sort of been validated at least in my eyes so yeah I'm interested in how this progresses yeah and I guess my hot take last week if we would have recorded an episode it basically would have been this episode doesn't matter uh this is obvious distraction to me not saying that that means Rick is winning necessarily, but this just feels like distraction. Like the, the whole episode felt like distraction to me. Um, 
And that's what I – all my notes were like, okay, this is manipulation, this is manipulation, this is manipulation. Uh, this episode felt way more organic with foresight, like with uh, stories to come from the future. Um, mm-hmm. Last episode felt so short-term the whole way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like that's good on this passenger pilots thing. Um, the obvious question on that is basically, do you want to be a passenger? Do you want to be a pilot all the time? What happens to you in other ways? But let's move on here to a more personal theme of mothers, women, gender roles. And in this episode, uh, it was Aurora who yelled, yeah. I hate soccer moms. Yeah. And it's just like, it was the one very poignant example of like, Julie's like demographic being targeted. Mm-hmm. And I think it just says that it continues to be like something to watch out for. Um, at the immunity challenge, it was mentioned that there are a lot of women left in the challenge. They had won the first two immunities and they didn't come out with an immunity this time. But yeah, it was an interesting. It continues to be a through line, I guess, throughout the season. And we'll see where it ends up. And, like, for me, this is not a season that reads, like, it has to be a girl winner. I just think that they're yeah they're telling a story about the strength of women oftentimes here. Um, including, like, this is mainly Julie, mainly Lauren. Um, kind of this aggressive, fem- pro-aggressive female uh, theme in the background here, which I actually think has been told very well. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, we saw a time in this episode with Julie, obviously, like crying about uh missing her kids. Um, in another moment, like in like this whole season, all like this whole merge has basically been about Julie dealing with the emotional weight of Survivor. Mm-hmm. She sees Rick as defenseless, so she doesn't want to send him back. That's why the big flip happens to get out Joe. Um, the next episode, um, it's like kind of the same situation. She gets blindsided, and this episode, it's her dealing with being blindsided now. Uh, how, how much that hurts. Um, her story's so based on emotion, so based on um, like nurturing that, uh, like it's very clearly a story, and I think it's the big reason why I think Julie's going extraordinarily deep. Yeah, I think Julie just feels like a lock for not only the finale, but, like, Final Tribal Council in so many ways. Whether you think she's, like, goat material, whether you think she just has a story that's very easy to relate to jury questions that may come. Um, Just the way she's been presented is, like, someone who makes it to the end. And it's because of these emotional things, the way women have been integrated into the story, all that, so. Yep. And it's important to note, uh, like, like we still, I feel like, have a lot of contenders who are females. Um, in general, they are very pro, like, the aggressive part. So that's kind of, I, I think that's very fascinating. Uh, but again, I don't think this is a winner-based story. This is just one of those stories about the season, right? Like, not every story, not every long-term story has anything to do with the winner, necessarily. Yeah. I would say this is, like, the point at which it has felt the least like a woman is winning this season. I agree. Like, there's, like, a lot of them floating up there, but no one no one feels really strong. Everyone has their flaws, and yeah, so. 
Um, so I guess next up we have a theme that honestly was gone in this episode uh, of new player versus old player uh, and quote unquote how hard it is to be a returning player. Um, yeah, it, this episode it was on break. Yeah. Like, or we finally moved into a new gear where they don't have to reference it all the time. Mm-hmm. It just... It's... It was kind of weird because, like, it was such a big thing for Kama, and now, like, that it's just the two from Lesio, it's just not as important. Like, we always remarked that for David especially, it kind of felt like he was not a new player and just sort of integrating into all the newbies on uh, Manu... Um, Kelly was getting that, but now it was a light episode for Kelly in general. So, well, I do think one thing that we should mention, and I'm sure people will uh, call us on here. Kelly mentions Cambodia here, right? Like, Cambo- she mentions her, the feeling she got in Cambodia. In that this is episode. true. Um, so it is still there, and I still think David's the one who doesn't feel like a returning player at all. Um, mm. like he really doesn't, and then Kelly does, like. All her confessionals are still about her past experience. Um, so that is something. Like I feel like they're intentionally distancing Kelly as the returning player, and then Joe and Aubrey were also the returning players, whereas David's just his own dude. Yeah, I would also say, I guess David had, like, he's done the immunity challenge before, but I still mm-hmm. think, I still think we were right to say this is on break. It's not factoring into strategic decisions like it was before, and it's just not a big part of why these players are playing necessarily. Like, Kelly a little more, but I still think it's pretty light this episode. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And I feel like that's probably good. Like, it really isn't a huge part right now. This is something that I'm sure comes up at Final Tribal Council in a big way. So, yeah. um, I, I I guess I'll take my shot. I do think there will be a returning player in the final Trump council. Um, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Don't know who it'll be, but I think we'll I, yeah. see someone there. Um, and I, I, and beyond that, I mean, it's not a hundred percent possible, like likely, but I would say it will not be three returnees. <laughs> no. Like, I mean, Joe could win the thing, but I, I would feel confident story-wise to say that that's not the case. There will be a conflict between, I would say our two front runners at the Final Tribal Council will be a returning player and a new player. Um, yes, I think I agree. Next up, we got checklists, the experience, what people want to do in Survivor, the idea of a perfect game, all that good jazz. Uh, mainly here, again, this is mainly, at this point, I feel like, the Edge of Extinction theme. Um, and Eric gets this in a big way. Yeah. I mean, you had Ron sort of saying, I tried to play a strategic game, in that, but that was a very light throwaway thing. But yes, Eric talked a lot about how he was blindsided and really tempted to leave uh, the Edge of Extinction. But he saw Chris get that stingray, stingray and talked about how great the experience would be for his kids so and it reminded chris sling that stingray reminded eric of the beauty in his heart yeah like it's very (laughs) it's very on the nose in my opinion like this theme is really that way um the only additional things are like gavin being like well i wanted to be a big player i got rid of my number one ally in eric and now i'm here and i'm here to put things on my resume i have so many things i want to do blah 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 
Uh, very much, literally, just like word for word, explained this thing again. Yeah, he also mentions winning immunity, sort of just like Julie did. Like, oh, my family is going to be so excited to yep. watch this with me and see it happen. All that good stuff. Yep, yep, yep. And again, uh, the number one thing, for, I guess just as a casual reminder, the main things that these stories and being a t- tribute to them do is kind of give you longevity, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, it basically just means it's a reason for you to stick around. Um, yeah. And for me, that's what a lot of edgic is. It's kind of like, who has plot armor right now? Like, who has to connect to who? Uh, all that good jazz. Uh, and that's why these are super helpful. Um I'm trying to think, did anyone else in a... Like, this episode was really low on confessionals, obviously, because Tribal was 35 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any more kind of, like, off-the-cuff uh, experience kind of confessionals. Um, I don't really think so. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Like, War Dog, I feel like, might have got something. But... No, I don't think so. Yeah. So let's move here to Kumbaya Survivor. First gameplay Survivor. The highs and lows, all that good jazz. Uh, this is kind of very similar to Passenger or Pilots. Uh, when you think about it. Um, that said, I feel like we haven't necessarily... We have seen the story of how Kumbaya Survivor failed. Um, mm-hmm. And Kama just being a disaster. Yeah, and we even saw, like, a distorted version of it, where, like, it looked like everyone was, like, quiet and just not strategizing, but instead it was, like, this, like, under-the-surface bubbling of tension. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think that really reinforces that, like, there's a reason to always be playing and thinking and have your spidey senses on as David says, and Kelly reinforces later. So yeah, hundred percent agreed. Um, so yeah, I feel like, like no one was really like, this is my, I actually know what, no, uh, Ron is kind of the voice of this in this episode of like, you know, I thought I was the puppet master and now I'm probably going to be voted out. Um, I need to do what I can to reintegrate myself in the group. That's very similar to what Aubrey kept talking about earlier. In addition to that, we get a lot of mention of Aubrey in this episode. Yeah. The three days versus three hours versus three minutes. Which was very pert when they came to a tribal council where it was live. So, Yep. Good job, Aubrey. You're giving us good confessionals even out of the game. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Like for, I mean, like, for them, they are. She is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's good here. Uh, next up, we have separating the game strategy from personal relationships, emotion, and like, and the emotionality of Survivor. And this is the primary theme, in my opinion, of the entire season, um, is when to separate emotion and when emotion can be a useful tool. Uh, obviously, we have two key people here speaking the words of emotion's bad, you should never have it, and Victoria mm-hmm. and and War Dog and kind of David Wright. Um, these are three people who have been very anti-emotion. And then we have people like Rick Devins. We have people like Julie. We have people like Gavin being like way more emotional. Um, I think that's something really interesting to analyze. Yeah, uh, 
Tell me, I got Victoria. Like, I remember those confessionals. Tell me more about the other two. I guess David, I also get, like, that's his thing. Wardog is the one I kind of fuzzy on. Okay, so Wardog in this episode was, or, and sorry, but it was in the last episode, uh, was literally to, when, in that scene where Rick Devins, like, where Wardog's like, hey, you down to work with the Lesu 5 or whatever? Um, like, I really think that we have to. I know we didn't agree, but whatever. And then Rick literally turns to him and he's like, yeah, you know, I think that would be good. And Wardog's like, great. And then Rick's like, Except the opposite of that. Um, <laughs> like, no thanks. You tried to help me out. I was going home if you didn't do that. Rock's literally like, you're being such an emotional player. Like, why are you being so emotional? Um, and I feel like that's, like, like all the whole time he's always talking about logic. In this episode, he brings up logic. Like, you gotta be logical. Um, like, it's just logic, man. I'm out, I'm out of my office crunching numbers all day. He's very much the voice of logic. And not emotion. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I definitely see that now. And I think that is a very interesting thing to take into account. Considering Wardog's edit, where he's always getting credit for moves, but mm-hmm. it's warped in a weird way that doesn't feel winnery. And maybe putting that against someone else who might go far, like Julie, has been the most emotional person on this season. And, like, what is the bad thing? What is the good thing? Yep. Going forward. Uh, and I guess my take here is the season's trying to tell us that emotions are really important, but being able to separate your emotions from the game are also important. Um, and I kind of think that someone like Wardog probably isn't eliminated because of this, but I feel like Julie... I can, like, the problem with, like, Julie, I can see her losing at the end because she couldn't separate her emotions from the game um, and getting roasted for that. Whereas I feel like it's going to be harder for me to see the, uh, you didn't have enough emotions here. I do think like, again, like I think that we're going to get a ruthless blind side to end this game. Um, like kind of like a Ken David, like this got kind of foreshadowed a lot in millennials for Gen X. Um, and obviously we have the unquote unquote prophecy of David Wright getting uh, murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like, Oh, I lost my train of thought. It feels like, yeah, I can very easily see Julie losing because of what she's done, especially this episode. It's harder to say, oh, War Dog, you didn't, you're too ruthless, even though that's happened just the same. I feel like we see a lot more of, oh, you're playing with your heart too much and it got in the way, as opposed to you're just mm-hmm. a strategic game bot who never made any relationships. Yeah. And I personally think that this is really good for people like Rick, who have had moments of emotion, extreme emotionality, Mm -hmm. but also otherwise been very calm and collected. Um, Maybe not calm is the right word, but like he can use emotion to a strategic benefit. Um, And it's not that bad for Julie either. I just think that she's probably too on that side. It's also not bad for Wardog. Like I think Wardog also like, it's not like he's like completely unemotional, but um, he he's playing this game like a poker player, as he reminded us, right? Um, mm-hmm. Poker players are not known for their emotions. Yeah. So like, that's the thing is I really think that I think that the final trap council will be a conflict of this discussion. Um, somebody's going to be too emotional. Somebody's not going to be not emotional enough or whatever. Uh, and that's going to, you know, what I, mean? I feel like the season's going to end on that note. 
Yeah, I think that is a good prediction moving forward. It seems yeah, very like, important in ways that haven't really resolved yet. Like, we're okay. not, not necessarily been told one way is right, one way is wrong. It feels very long-term, like, this determines who wins the game. To some yeah, extent. and, like, I can picture the winning montage of, like, things went bad for X winner, but uh, they were able to separate their emotions from the game and get themselves back in the good graces of the people. Like, it's that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, in the same way that Sandra Diaz Twine won the game, if you just watch the recap thing by, um, like, uh, shoot, uh, voting out anyone but her, uh, the winner is going to be somebody who managed to s- separate their emotions from the game while also benefiting. Right. So, uh, that's the thing. Um, next up, we have unpredictability and always on the edge of being voted out. Riff Julia. Yep. From no votes to nine of them. Mm-hmm. What a rough, <laughs> what a rough day. But I do think this is actually really good for someone like Rick Devins, who, if you think about unpredictability, what can it mean? Sure, it can mean like the the luck of the game. Like, oh, sometimes you just get called out. But more than that, I feel like it's you can find advantages in places that you would never see it. Yeah. Aurora talks too much in her thing. Rick Devon sees an opportunity to pounce on that. Opens up the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I guess with that, that's our long-term stories. Um, And I think, yeah, I feel like a lot of these people are going to factor into these in various ways. So let's start here, as we always do, with the Edge of Extinction. We're going to start with our good pal, Aubrey, who really was not in this episode, but... uh, She had a quiet episode, but we missed last week when she found an advantage. Yeah, it was really good for her. I mean, her not being here this episode sort of really takes the wind out of the sails. I'm not so high on Aubrey either winning this game or even coming back. I agree. I think at this point I'm willing to lay the bet on Aubrey coming back. Um, I just, it just doesn't seem right. Um, she, she'll stay the whole way though. Oh yeah. And I this think, is, yeah. I, it makes sense. This is her story. It's, she never gives up, blah, blah, blah. Um, that said with Edge of Extinction in general, I'm increasingly becoming like, wait a minute. I feel like two people are definitely coming back. Wait, three people are definitely like I, I, in my mind, I'm having a hard time, honestly, figuring out which one of these people is coming back. Yes. I think if we're done with Aubrey, that's a good way to go back into Chris who like also has been kind of quiet, but he did catch that stingray. Like we can't forget. And that made Eric really happy and yeah. stay on edge of extinction. So, like, the biggest problem with Eric is he doesn't... Or, sorry, with uh, Chris, is that he doesn't really talk about anybody in the game. Like, yeah. but at the same time, he's still the only one who's really um, given some sort of complex idea of what he would do if he got back in the game. And also, like, what he's doing on Edge of Extinction to make sure he comes back. Yeah, for sure. Like, to me, it really feels like if, like, if Crystal is literally just like, I fucking hate David Wright or something, pencil him in automatically. He's going back in. But um, we don't know anything about what this guy thinks about anybody right now, other than he likes Rick. I guess that makes sense? Yeah, I think it's tricky because 
I mean, the last time we recorded, we would have said, oh yeah, maybe he couldn't have any of this because it's going to be a comma-dominated endgame. But I think we were maybe a little wrong on that. It's definitely lots of lessus up in that endgame. So yeah, Chris should have had some more exposition on those opening episodes where Manu was going to all the tribal councils. So I don't know. Yep. That's the thing is it could be him. I, right now I would have him number two uh, is most likely to come back. But I, you know, I vary, I, I vary a lot because if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense to have him not speak here and have people be like, Oh my God, how great is Chris literally saved me from quitting. I mean, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and being assured that he's never going to quit. Um, that's pretty good. Especially if he's going to come back and not win. I feel like this is a pretty good luck for him coming back. Yeah, I think I'm just stuck on it's going to be like other Redemption Islands or it's sort of a revolving door. Like, I know a lot of people are very high on the second edge of Extinction Returnee, whoever that may be. But I just, I'm not feeling it. Especially with how things are set up now. I think the people who are at the end are going to be from well obviously they're going to still in the game but like the one person who comes back isn't going to have a huge impact I don't think yeah literally if you like I'm glad we didn't record last week because my take was literally like my last week's winner rankings were Rick number one second edge of extinction returnee Julie and I was like no one else going to win <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, but at this point I, I think I'm with you I don't think the second edge of extinction returnee is going to win which makes it even more complicated but who's going to come back because yeah. <laughs> like um, it'll be an inspiring moment but I can't see them sticking around too long um, so mm-hmm. with that let's move here to Eric who's my number one right now to come back I think this was a perfect episode for your boot um, like, I know it, I know people are really low on it because it's like he talked about quitting, but I think, like, if you're just immediately like, I'm never quitting, that's not a good look. A good look is, oh, it would be so good to quit, but I'm never going to quit because I'm a firefighter and I care about my family and Chris taught me about the world. You know what I mean? That's a way better look, I think. Mm-hmm. I think, well, first off, I think the door is still open for Eric to quit, weirdly. Like, it almost feels like it wasn't quite, like, I'm never quitting because of Chris. It feels like he could almost, like, decide it's not for him and he'll go. But I think that's great because it's showing they're not going to, like, lambast every Edge of Extinction quitter. Mm -hmm. Though few and far between they may be. Um... But I also think, yeah, it was a really good episode for Eric, also given sort of the half a winner's edit he's gotten so far while he was in the game. Like, it makes sense if he returns and is just sort of sent back out. Yeah, like, the simple truth here is his premiere is so good that I almost, like, I almost am questioning that he'd just be gone here. But the single most important thing is we get reaffirmed that Gavin was his number one ally. Um, This is either... This is a, we're in this weird limbo zone where this is either intended to be a kind of pass the torch edit to where now Gavin's the new Eric, or but I think Eric wasn't developed enough for that, or it's Eric who's going to come back and reunite with Gavin who turned on him. 
I feel like that second camp makes a lot of sense. Um, it makes sense why they would be like, we were like, at one point we were like, this is the complex duo of the season. They're the ones who talk about each other. I think they're not the complex duo of the season. I think they're a fun story where it's like they're best friends and then Gavin turns on him for no reason. And then they reunite and have like a little feud. Hmm. I'm, I guess I'm still a little sore at how Eric and Gavin was handled last episode. It just feels so rough. I would question whether they're going to reunite at all. It just feels like, or even if it's a pass the torch edit, it really feels like the sticking point of the season was just like in that episode eight, last episode, the way Eric and Gavin were not a thing at all. That's just, yeah, it's a horrible, I think that was horrible storytelling. It was just bizarre Um, and really sort of had me thinking, oh yeah, this is just like game changers. Yeah. Game changers where it's going to be messy and. The season is so much like Game Changers, it's not even funny. Like, we were calling that early on, but, like, it is a lot like Game Changers. I Um, think we're going to see that a lot, especially when merging up 13 is a big thing. You just have so many bodies to deal with, like, and now with Active Extinction, there's even more, and it's just a lot of, like, social networking you have to somehow communicate to an audience and it's gonna be hard and messy yeah. so uh yeah so i think that's probably good for eric i think he has a, i think he's the best shot right now but like everyone so far has got a good boot episode so yeah um like it's, it's like i feel like hard weight on that but um mm-hmm. i don't think eric's gonna win the game but i feel like he's got a good shot of making it back Next up, we got joe I might be in a number three to come back. Every episode, he's basically got to talk since he's got voted out. Um, that's a good thing. You it's think Joe. so? Did he get to talk in last episode? I feel like we didn't hear from him. No, time. he talked a lot. He cried. No, he got a he got a beautiful montage in that episode. Um, like he was sitting there on a rock by himself. As it like he's like, is this where I'm meant to be? Yes, it is. No, I don't know if I can do it. I think this is where I'm meant to be. There has to be a reason. He got, he got, like, this uh, super up-close, like, whispering in his own mind thing. Huh. I don't remember that, but it's been a while, so... And he was crying! Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> Like, I think it was a really good episode, and then in this huh. episode, he gets to talk about people again. Yeah. Uh, hmm. It's pretty good. I don't think he's winning. <laughs> Not winning. Not winning. I mean, I, I'm still scared to say no. Um, but... Edit-wise, I would say he's pretty much done. Um, yeah. I, I'm i just terrified. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I'm just scared of the situation where the returning challenge is like, do yoga or something. <laughs> like, and Angelina's the judge. Yeah, like... Is she doing yoga? I think so. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, and to our final Edge of Extinction-y... The queen herself, Reem. Who's not coming back, Rip. It was like her first really quiet episode. Like, yeah. all she talked about was how hard it was for her because she was the first. And, yeah. Uh, I'm it's so like, glad. Ah, you think this is tough? It was a starter for me. Yep. I'm so glad we get to spend this entire season with Reem. That's the only good thing about this twist, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And actually, yeah. I really like Rick Devins, so I'm actually okay with him being in it. It's so, it's so interesting to have like a character who was voted out first, 
really doesn't, we know she's not coming back, but she's just going to be technically in the game for the entirety of the season. So, I mean, that's cool that, like, she's dateable. You know what I mean? She made the jury. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hate soccer moms, so she's not really my type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Reem's been actually a pretty well-handled character, I think. Like, a good story. At this yeah. point, I think I'm officially, like, there's no fluke in the world. I don't think that she comes back. If she came back, it would be amazing. Best season of all time. Um, yeah, like, in one... Yeah, a Reem win would be life-changing, but it will not happen. Yes. So I guess that's probably good for Edge of Extinction. Um, Yeah, again, if you asked me last week, I would have said, like, second Edge of Extinction returnee is, like, most likely winner. Uh, I'm softened on that stance, but I still think that's within possibility uh, just because of how much content it gets. But I'm still more of the, like, uh, yeah, I'm much more higher on the first guy who uh, left and came back. It'll be interesting to see what happens next episode where we have... Oh, I guess for those who don't know, there will be two boots next episode, one hour. It'll be interesting to see if they try to cram Edge of Extinction in there somewhere. Oh, they better not. Oh my god. Because <laughs> there's lots of places they should do it, but they shouldn't do it in a yeah, 45 I can't, minute episode. I can't wait for the like seven minute segment of edge of extinction next week. And then like a minute of camp life, like two reward challenges, a minute of camp life, tribal Aurora gone or whatever. It's going to be two immunities, two tribal councils, two reward challenges and two edge of extinction. Yeah. That's a, that's going to be calling it now. Next week's going to be next week's going to be just as bad as the Michaela boot and game changers. It's going to be rough. Where it's just like, what the hell just happened? Like, because, like, <laughs> like you just lied to us for forty-five minutes. Like, yeah. that's what I'm expecting next week. And it's a sad thing that this episode was good because next episode's gonna suck. Maybe we'll see. We'll get there. That's probably why they chose to tell so many good stories this episode because they have to cram all that in this week for next week. Yep. So I mean, <laughs> I guess I motivated them that way. But let's start here with Aurora. Uh, on the Vata tribe, um, which means Phoenix or Reborn. It means Reborn. No, sh- shelf. Oh, Shelf, right. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, whatever, um, we got Aurora here, who, again, we finally uncovered why she got such a embarrassing edit. Because she, like... It's like, you can't say she handed the game away because... She, like, never had it to begin with, like... I feel like you could argue she still... She, like, she handed all the games she had, which was very little away. She, like, her best ally went home at Merge. She then managed to, like, grasp a little bit of game in her hands, and then was like, I don't want to hold this anymore, and, like, dropped it. This girl's the kiss of death. Like, this girl is is literally Angela. You know what I mean? It's like, anyone that Angela speaks to dies. Like... Oh wow! It looks like Julie and Aurora have become like a good good pals. Dead. Yeah. Joe and Joe and Aurora, good pals. Dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if she kind of sticks around as that. Like we usually have that kind of person that's like the person who yeah. anyone who touches dies because it's an easy way to tell the story. Yeah, it feels like it's if the six, seven, the seven stay together. 
It doesn't feel like they're targeting Aurora first. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you? <laughs> and like, I don't know, like, I don't know about you, but like, at Tribal, she was like, I'm like, oh god, I get it. Like, I get why she hasn't got any content. Because she's like, droning on about like, nothing. Like, I was, I was like, oh my god, I just want her to get voted out. Like, <laughs> there are other things in the sea. That yeah. it was just very weird. We can't forget last episode. She didn't look the greatest because when Lauren fainted, she was like, "Victoria, I need this." Yeah. <laughs> Which of, I mean, like I'm sure she couldn't see it, so like whatever. But still looked bad edit wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like the most fascinating thing about her is it's like she's like a lawyer. And is maybe the worst well-spoken. Is that the right phrase? Whatever. Um, like the least well-spoken. That's it. Okay. Uh, okay yeah. I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, person ever. Like she's like like I feel like one thing about lawyers that I feel like you should be good at is like understanding what information to spread. Like mm-hmm. why is she droning on about how there might be more than one plan? There might be like what like. What a terrible tribal council performance. Yeah. Like, she literally... I mean, it probably wasn't all this, but she literally said, what if Lesu got back together? Like, yeah. pulled someone over, and then that happened. Like, like, to me, it's a strong... Um, like, I feel like it's a strong fight between Aurora and Julia, which one sucked harder at this tribal. Because um, they both were a solid zero. Like, they were both, like... I mean, you can say Julia's really bad, but at least Julia told Aurora to shut up. And yeah, like, I feel like Ju- like Aurora was worse for cracking it open. Julia was worse for, like, shut up, war dog. Hey, Rick, you're just a passenger. Like, that kind of, like... Uh, Julia had a worse poker face. Uh, Aurora was better at... Was worse at actual releasing information. I think it's sort of... They both got into the situation, and then... As that new majority was deciding who to vote out, Julia was more threatening. So if you want to consider that the worst place to be or Aurora's least threatening spot better as to who the worst player is. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, they're both terrible. But I do think Aurora either leaves next week or is like really deep. Yeah, she feels sort of... Angela-ish material. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think, like, she like she is a obvious top double boot episode contender. Oh, that too. She's not gonna leave, like, ninth. You know what I mean? Like, she's gonna... Or, unless that is ninth. She's yeah, not gonna leave, like... She's not gonna be... There's not gonna be an entire episode if they're making a double... Like, crafting in a double boot. Uh, yeah. I bet Aurora leaving, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're right. She feels like... Like, maybe they're doing this thing where they're alternating, like, good edit and, like, lackluster edit for Fire Making Loser, and, like, Aurora loses that. I could easily see something like that. I don't know. Um, it's like, yeah, this girl reminds us of Angelo. Whatever. But, like, that's too much credit to her for her to warm her way all the way to final. Yeah, she's, like, really terrible. It's just, like, does she get dragged or does she get voted out? I'd probably lean that she gets voted out next week because it's an easy one to explain. Yeah, like, she's now been, she's dropped game, but now she's been handed goat, and she doesn't like holding on to things, so. 
yeah. So it's it's hard to say what uh like what she's gonna get. So whatever. Uh her story was not well told, I don't think. Like all of a sudden she's just a moron, which is like whatever. Yeah, like there was that beginning of the season where she was getting one confessional an episode and we were that really would have fit well if it had continued. Yeah. I sh- she really should I think she should have been given the throwaway confessionals. Um, yeah. and uh, I, I, cause I feel like Julia's story was well told of like invisible, 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 but naive, invisible, but naive, super naive, invisible, naive leader, naive, but has some game ing- agency, horrible train wreck. Like that's a good told story. Um, Aurora, like still not a very well told story, but there's still potential. So there is. Yeah. I feel like. That's the one thing that kind of gives her some longevity. So yep. we'll see. Next up, we got David, um, who is, at least for me, rising quickly in my yes. rankings. Um, and, I mean, I would be enthused with a David win. Yeah, I was, I think I watched the episode live, was like, huh. And then I watched it again, and I was like, yeah, and I looked at my magic chart, and I saw that it kind of made sense. And I was going to ask if you could remind me, like, what problems we had with David. Like, obviously, the big one is he wanted Kelly Wentworth out, and that has not happened. They're both still yeah. in the game. But I think the season has done really interesting things with that, such as this very episode where, like, David taps Kelly on the shoulder and is like, hi, remember me. So, like, it's this weird, like, frenemy relationship that the... It almost feels like they're purposefully playing with as opposed to sort of showing David in a bad light. I agree. Were there other flaws that... So, I would say the biggest problems with David Wright's edit is, number one, Rick was established as the alpha in the David and Rick relationship early on. Uh, Rick's... David talks about Rick. Rick talks about himself. Um, that's one problem. I think the other problem is that I think we were both, and I think almost the entire internet, was expecting a sad run for David Wright. Um, David Wright, in episode one, talks about how in the early stages of the game, he'll be useful. Like, like that premiere's not good for David. Um, it, was, it was really light, but now looking back, it's like, oh yeah, like they're not supposed to be the most visible... It yes. was still pretty light for a returning, though. I don't know. Yeah, that's, I think the biggest problem is that his story wasn't properly situated until weirdly late, um, where, like, early on his content was, li- like, his premiere was literally just, like, they sure like me to build the shelter, uh, which, not great. And then he started just randomly hating Kelly. You know what I mean? Like, that's the problem. But mm-hmm. that said, I think that's a problem with doing it episode by episode, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, well, he's still talking about Kelly, he's still talking about Kelly. But by the end of the pre-merge, which generally is my mantra, is, like, the pre-merge tells you the winner. The merge kind of tries to throw shit at it to make it hard to read. Mm -hmm. Um, David's pre-merge story was complete. It made sense. Um, It was well done. It made, like, everything works. The biggest problem for me... So, like, I think I throw away most of those problems. Personally, my biggest problem is, again, Rick was established as the Alpha. That's my yeah. only big problem there. Yeah, I mean, the prophecy is a huge thing. Yes. Like, Rick saying, 
I'll vote you out at four or five. It just feels right. And it also makes sense if Rick does that to put David in a positive light because he's going to come back and say, oh, Rick, that was such a good move. Like, Mm -hmm. congratulations. Good job on separating the game from uh, personal relationships. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's another interesting thing is Rick and David's relationship these past two episodes is like they've literally voted on separate sides and now have came back together and we got to see that. Like, yeah, like at this point, it's there's not even a duo that's even almost as complex as Rick and David. Like, they are by far the complex relationship, and I mean we called that on like episode two, um, mm-hmm. but like overwhelmingly the complex duo. Um, so I think that's important to note, right? Like these people will continue to be important in each other's stories. Um, it's kind of weird that they played the idol. Like that's one of my problems. Um, I think it was well justified. It was, it was, because like David did say, like no matter what, I'm gonna play it tonight. So then it like took away the um, like oh, is he gonna? Is he gonna? Mm-hmm. We just knew like okay, they're just gonna basically throw it. Um, that was reasonable. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is so last season. I think our biggest mistake is that we didn't identify that irony is something that Survivor uses sometimes, right? Um. We were like, okay, 100%, a female's going to find an idol. Uh, and that's going to be super important. But we didn't factor in, oh, it's kind of making fun of this idea. That would be really shitty if they did that. Um, so that's the idea of irony. Um, am I crazy about thinking about what if David cuts Rick at five or four? I think that makes sense, and then he would win. It's really, like... I think I'm going to have David as a winner contender now, but it's really all about what happens at four, which is stupid because like, yeah, we're going to walk into the finale and then that's like, the finale. Yeah. like um, that's but, the problem. Um, <laughs> but I would right now I have David below Rick, but like, same. I think that's a possibility. I think maybe it is the other way around and, and it makes yeah. a lot of sense too. Right. Like, um, like, cause okay. So like, the problem with being like generally the alpha wins if it's the complex duo the alpha and the beta are going to be the two contenders generally it's the alpha wins right like you get uh wendell over dominic um uh like you know i mean I, i'm struggling to think of some other examples here like jt over steven or whatever um mm-hmm. the problem is there's a secondary type of edit where being the beta is really good which is like the passing the torch edit so if David's going to cut Rick, it makes sense. And then when it makes sense for Rick to be the alpha, because if you're the beta, you want, the story should be that you cut the alpha and then now I'm the alpha now. Right. Um, so it is a strange situation here where I think no matter what, these people are cutting each other. And for me, I have Rick number one on my winner contenders list and David number two. And it's very like, I think one of these is going to cut the other one at five or four and the other one's like the other one's going to be in the final trouble council. Yeah. I think another thing on that alpha beta theory is that yes, Wendell was presented as the alpha, like opening in ghost Island, but it swapped quickly on that to where Dominic was getting a lot of mm-hmm. content. Dominic was making a lot of strategic moves. Um, and it was really that opening that presented Wendell as the alpha I mean, here we've seen Rick presented as that, but 
it's also swapping around. Um, I do still think that is valid, though, where David could cut Rick mm-hmm. instead. So. And I, I do want a, a quick disclaimer. Uh, I, I don't mean, like, in terms of, like, their, like, buffness. I mean, in oh, terms yeah. of, uh, <laughs> like, because this is something we talked a lot about, the Ghost Island thing, and the reason I was basically on Wendell. Like, Wendell's going to win if it's going to be any of these people. But um, it's basically... The alpha is the one who is presented as reaching out to the other person. The like, yeah. uh, like Wendell in episode. If you remember Ghost Island, Wendell in episode of one of Ghost Island goes like, we get shown Dominic overplaying, and then we get Wendell. We get shown Wendell doing well, and then going to Dominic and being like, "Hey, you're in trouble, buddy, but I got you." And then he gives a confessional, being like, "Dominic turns people off, but I, I think I can help him. Me and him can be a good duo." Mm-hmm. Wendell's establishes above Dominic, uh, and I just use shorthand alpha beta for that duo, not for like, like, you know, not for uh, like whatever yes. sh- exactly. shitty, uh, yeah. shitty viewpoints that people have. Um, so that's that's that conversation there. Uh, next up, speaking of people who are established as betas in a duo, we have Gavin, um, and he's just ki- killed his uh, killed his suitor. Yes, his suitor. Um... Uh, <laughs> Gavin's pre-merge, like, if you want to talk about pre-merges telling the story of a winner, like, Gavin's did not do that, and now as it, like, sort of revs weirdly back up, I I don't know, it feels wrong to me still. My take, Gavin is, uh, my, Gavin is my number one frontrunner here to be the fire-making loser, um, by far. Huh. Uh, the number one thing that's kind of emerged with all of them, except for Angela, uh, who I would say is atypical. Um, I mean, we only have t- two other ones, but Kara and Devin both had an interesting thing where they got a lot of edit manipulation early on. Uh, they got a lot of decent confessionals, talk about their game, talk about a, a duo, um, right? Like Devin and Ryan, uh, mm-hmm. Devin's the beta, uh, like Kara and Dan. Uh, Kara was established as the alpha there. Um, the weird thing here is, so it's a duo with a lot of edit manipulation early on, um, and then they pick up like crazy at the merge. I don't know if you remember Survivor Triple H, but Devin literally went from like one confessional an episode to like seven confessionals, um, hmm. like five visibility. He's a main character. Um, why? Because they're being established as a like as a obstacle to topple, um, and. Gavin literally went from like five confessionals to spiking at the merge. All of a sudden, Gavin's the main character, Julie's the main character, etc. But Gavin's the big one there. Um, and now in this episode, he was one of the most visible. Um, he didn't really do anything in this episode, if you really think about it. He was his yeah. plan didn't work. You'd have no idea if you're just not really paying attention. Yeah, he uh, wasn't very visible at the tribal either. Yeah, it was really weird. Gavin once again like inserted weirdly into this same mm-hmm. way it was into the merge mm-hmm. keep it swaps and stuff like like he constantly gets weird content just being like i'm a super fan i really like the game woohoo um there's no like real winning arc other than he just keeps saying winner quotes that's something kara kept doing that's why the internet was falling over kara last year um i think this guy's in the finale for sure um and I, my money would be heavily on fire making loser. Huh. 
I I'm not as high on Gavin as that. I guess I hadn't really thought that much through, but you're right about it getting a lot of weird unnecessary content that matches up with a really strong premiere. Just like it's still I think right now it's also a really hard path for me to see him getting to the final yeah, four. Yeah, that's the big problem for me, is I'm like, how the hell does he get there? Um, because but, like, I, w- I would say one of the boots next episode is Gavin or Victoria, so like, and it'd be weird to lose Victoria this early as well. You think so? I don't think there's a chance it's Gavin or Victoria, but who knows? Huh. Uh, and I, yes, he had that strong duo, but like, it's it was mishandled last episode. I don't I don't know what they're doing there. I yeah, and I mean if this is Survivor Game Changers, like I don't know if anyone remembers Saria Michaela getting this beautiful bonding moment and then Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> never spe- never speaking again. Um but like that's like something I should be worried about. But if this is a good story it's like all that I I could see Gavin being the fire making loser. I like your theory. I, I don't know. I I don't really have a better guess, I guess I can say. It's sure. just so out of like left field. I wasn't thinking about it before. I just really don't know where to place Gavin anyway. Like Yeah, guys, the thing for me is there's too much like he isn't getting purpled, he's getting weird content all the time. Um, you know, he kinda feels like Carl. Yeah, I could see the Carl too. Yeah. And I can see he gets turned on, like, no matter, either way, he's been edited as an obstacle at this point. He's gone from, in my opinion, someone who could win the game to somebody who is going to be a thorn in the winner's side. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, my money's on Fire Ranking Loser, but your mileage may vary. Uh, again, poor handling of this story, in my opinion. I think his story's completely botched. Yeah, he's like just a mess editorially. Yeah, it's like it's so bad. Like it really he has no cogent narrative at all, but keeps getting like kind of like ran like randomly injected. And generally like like that's a bad sign. It feels like one like one set of editors is giving him a winner's edit and like giving him the minimum edit. And, like, they randomly choose from episode to episode which episode they're giving him. Yeah, it's like half of them, like, want him to look like a good player, and half of them are like, wait, who's Gavin? Like, Which, that's honestly what we said about Kara. Yeah. But we also said that about Nick. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. Because last episode was like... Or last season was Kara and Nick get, like, alternating good winner episodes... But, like, one of them was the fire-making loser in 1-1, so who knows? It's true. So, I, I, I don't know. I feel like that would make sense there, but we'll move on here to Julie. This is another person who theoretically could be... I feel like Julie's in the fire-making. I feel like I would be confident saying that. Huh. I feel like Julie's the easiest lock for Final 3. Okay, wait. You're saying she is going to do fire-making? Yeah, well, I mean, that's obviously, like, oh, like whatever. Like, But her story has been a lot tied to nature and, like, kind of, like, dealing with that kind of stuff. But also about never going to Edge of Extinction. Um, I can, in my mind, I can picture Julie getting roasted at the end for, like, 
being bad at nature stuff or whatever. Um, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. well, did you really ever uh, have to survive? Because uh, and from my money, you never did anything. You didn't even have to do fire making, blah, blah, blah. Like, all that. Um, hmm. Yeah, so, like, on the flip, I could see her final travel council being like, you know, I'm this girl from New York City. I've never been outside, and I just won fire making against your fave. Like, I'm the best, or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just can't see a world where she isn't in the final three. Yes, um, I agree with that 100. percent Just like I see her more as the like someone else won immunity and is taking Julie, <laughs> the Angelina. Yeah, yeah, the Laurel. I think, like, that's the thing, is, like, for me, Julie could win just because she's so obviously in the final three. Um, but most obvious final three people are, are losers. Um, like, <laughs> so <laughs> only two out of the two, out of the two or one out of the three wins. So, um, I don't know. This was a disastrous episode for Julie. Huh, you think? Hmm. Well, I think the opposite. I I don't know. It's hard because I am very biased for Julie. Oh, I love her. This has clouded my vision before. But I wanted to read this episode as though it was not as terrible as it could have been for Julie. You're you're right. Um, I guess for me, last season was a learning experience of like, even if if David versus Goliath can't be the nuanced story of like how a girl crying isn't weakness, I don't think Edge of Extinction is. Hmm. It's just like I'm really there's a narrative that's like when Jeff says, "Oh, all the fans at home get your what you're going through." True. Like I think that is that can be interpreted as like a pass for the behavior we're about to see. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like I'm sounding a little bit more harsh on her than I actually am. Um, I think she could easily win because she is, I feel like I, I if she gets voted like next episode, like what a terrible edit, I think. Yeah. Um, like her story is about not going to edge of extinction. That's how they've pitched it. If she goes, then that's, I think a complete drop of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that reason, I do think that she has a decent chance of making it to the end. She has a lot going against her for the actual win though. Um, but like, because she's definitely there for me, um, like I have her like probably like fourth. Hmm. I have her second. I have her above David. Still. So, I, think- I think that's reasonable. I feel like Julie's edit is also about figuring stuff out. Like, she's constantly like, I just got blindsided, but I need to figure out a way to get back into this. Mm -hmm. And I could see it, like, it kind of feels a little journey-y. It feels very journey-y, yeah. Um, But I also think she could figure it all out and they put together. But juries sure love to be like, great job, and then not before. That yeah. Person, so, I uh, think the biggest pro- I think the biggest problem here is a lot of her. I feel like she's been very strategic, and a lot of her game stuff has been about emotions instead. Like they air the confessional about, like it's like 
I could like I, I'm sure she has a conventional being like I could use Rick as a number. Um, he's vulnerable. I want to use that instead. It's like I could never do that to somebody. Send him right back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing for me. But she could easily win. You know what I mean? Like, um, like you don't want to bet against this horse. Like that. I feel like that's uh illogical because we do have so much information that she's going deep. Um. And for me, I'm having a def- di- relatively difficult time calling a winner other than Rick, but... <sighs> wow, spoilers. Yeah. Um, I think... I think if Julie makes it to the final three, regardless of whether she wins, like, this is one of... Like, this is one of the best edits in the season. Easy. It's not, like, for a, like, while, like, series-wise. Um... I really want her to win, but I I think I should probably have her lower. It's just, oh, it's tough. Yeah, for me, it's like, I don't know. For me, it's like there's a clear front runner, and then there's like three people bringing up the slack. Um, and she's one of them, but she has so much losing finalist upside that it's kind of hard to ignore. Or even Firemaker. You know what I mean? Like, I could see her. I think she's more likely to be losing finalists, but she could be a fire-making loser. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just, I would hate, and I'd also hate for the narrative to be, like, three seasons in a row of, like, a flawed woman yeah. gets to the end, but, like, just isn't respected. Flood, yeah, flawed strategic woman gets to the end, but it's too emotional. Like, please... Her, and then Angelina before, and then Laurel, and then Chrissy to extent. It's just like, mm-hmm. yikes! This is not a good. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's real bad. Um, but I think that's probably good for Julie. I think she is like I agree. Like I think she's one of the best. I think she is the best told story in the season so far. Yeah. yeah. So, like maybe maybe David Rick, but other than that, like mm-hmm. she's right there with them. Uh, when I think back of this season, I'll probably think of it as like kind of like Julie's season. Yeah. For sure. Um, and yeah, um, so she's like four for me. But yeah, let's move here to Kelly Wentworth. She was fun in this episode for the first time. Yeah, it felt like legitimate Kelly Wentworth. Like it felt like this weird evil doppelganger Kelly Wentworth was trying to pretend to be Kelly for eight episodes. And she finally defeated that one. And then like, just very... A little in this episode. Yeah, like, her confessional about, like, being at camp and, like, like Julie's, like, smiling at her, or Julia's smiling at her all weird. Like, that was so fun! That's the Kelly Wentworth I love. Yeah. She's totally not winning, because this episode confirms to me that she's not just, uh, randomly really boring. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. always the possibility that she was just awful this whole season. You know what I mean? Like, she, there's no takes of her not eye-rolling or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this episode, to me confirms that there is a fun Kelly Wentworth out there. They could have, they could have edited her like second chance. And instead they're editing her like a mean girl. Um, so this to me, this episode was the most disqualifying so far for Kelly. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, people still are just really high on Kelly Wentworth and I, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> like she's had consistent content, but like, it's not fun. It's often a little negative. It's, it doesn't all make sense together. Like, I know we've seen a lot of Kelly Wentworth, but I can't tell you exactly, like, why for the past eight episodes. 
Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I agree. (laughs) It's like, like, what's her story? It's like, she didn't like Wendy. So she didn't vote Wendy out. (laughs) Like, um, she didn't realize David wanted her out. Um, Rick came back wanting to work with her. And then she's like, fuck Rick and tried to vote him out. Um, I have a real hard time seeing her winning. Um, it's just like, if you try to plug her into our stories, it doesn't work so well. Like, Yeah. But, like, I like for me, like, she's one of the few people I haven't completely eliminated. Mm-hmm. Mostly out of, I'm not gonna lie, mostly because a lot of people are high on her. Um, and I'm like, am I, am I missing something? But... I have a hard time seeing it. Like, I really have a hard time seeing it. Yeah. Like, I also think if Kelly wins, like, if it's like the opposite of Julie. Whereas, like, if Horrible Julie wins, story. this is really great. If Kelly wins, like, I'm confused. This is a horribly told story. Like, I don't get it. Like, yeah, like, straight up, like, the only reason I'm considering Kelly as a winner is because of how bad the story's been of the season. Um with things just dropping like crazy. Like I wouldn't put past them to just for whatever reason edit beloved fan favorite Kelly Wentworth's win is like like Regina George one survivor. Like, <laughs> like um so oh, and this is this is that one part of Mean Girls where you kind of feel for Regina George. Yeah, like this like, <laughs> like this almost to me, not gonna lie, like maybe this is uh like a little harsh, but this to me feels like the episode that they're trying to be like, okay, she's going to leave soon. This is her, like, swan song. Like, look, she is still fun. Huh. I mean, she still hasn't played her idol, which that's just a thing we should probably talk about during general thoughts, but, like, oh, my gosh, why are Kelly and Lauren just still, like, sitting on their idols? Like, they're insane people. Eh, I feel like if you're at this tribal, like I feel like a lot of people have been like so much nerve. Okay, it was yeah. a nine to one to one vote. This tribal council, absolutely. Last tribal council, like I don't know. Last tribal council, it seems like like <laughs> I feel like I I I I think the Joe tribal council that one felt like wild to me because she thought like in my opinion Kelly Wentworth made the wrong call not playing it at the Joe tribal council. Because she was getting voted out until the plan changed. Like, she misread the situation. She thought everyone was just voting at Rick. They weren't, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so she misread that. So I think that's not... You can't really give her any credit for that. The second one, it was like... She got approached to turn on these people. I I feel like... Obviously, you don't play it if you're in the majority. And then this one, like... I'm sure she was going to play it. And then... Like... I feel like the events of the evening mm-hmm. changed that. That did, that did remind me of something. I did. I feel like this episode really wanted to link Aurora and Julia to Kelly. Like, during the chaos of it all, we get, like, Kelly very clearly talking to those two and being like, yeah, I have no intentions to turn on you. Mm-hmm. And she still does, but they were when very... When we know like, she's getting the votes at that point. Yeah. Like, it, and we aren't supposed to root for Aurora or Julia, like, no matter, like, how much we want to, like, so, 
I think pairing them with the pairing Kelly with those two is not a good look. Hundred percent agree there. Um, and like I guess the big thing for me is like edit wise, she could win. I think this would be the biggest drop of the ball in see like fifteen seasons probably if this is the story of Kelly Wentworth winning. Um. So for me, I'm very low on her, but like, I'm like, uh, what am I doing? Like, I'm like, uh, cross it, like, like, oh God, please don't be that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's good for Kelly. Uh, we're going to move here to her good pal, Lauren, who is not here in either of these episodes, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, she fainted in the last episode, so... True. Like, consciously, it wasn't here, but very important last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was presented really positively. Like, she was a warrior. Like, she didn't give up. But, I mean, it's just the Lauren story of, like, yeah, she's really trying at this game, and she's really going through a lot, but, like... She believes in herself. Yeah, but she's not really, like, there. Like, mm-hmm. Like, there's that meme, like, now of, like all the chaos going on behind her at tribal council and her just like dead eye stare into the distance yep. of like confusion. And and I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's not great. Like it really isn't like, <laughs> um, like, it's hard to, hard to really defend. And I'm kind of perplexed because people seem to be very high on her. I mean, they have been, and I've always been pretty low on her. And it's, like, similar to Kelly in that, like, there's a lot of Lauren to process, and it looks really good for, like, Lauren's archetype, but it doesn't all add up. And I would say the other tricky thing is, like, if she's not winning, like, where does Lauren fit in? Yeah, that is kind of a weird spot. Like, the thing is, like, I could see Lauren leaving at any point. Like, it doesn't feel like, what's her narrative that's protecting her? yeah. I don't know. I thought the story of, like, she really loves Kelly Wentworth and, like, she's going to be the new Kelly would be way more developed at this point. Yeah. It's, like... I don't know. It's weirdly, like, assumed. Mm -hmm. But they're not, like, Rick and David levels and they're not Ron and Julie levels. Yeah, they never talk. We never see them talk. It's much more like Kelly Lauren Wardog than yeah. just Kelly Yeah, and Wardog talking about it. Yeah. So, I don't know, for me, it's like, I see what people see, and I like I see, like, Kelly's the most, Kelly's the most visible character in the season. Lauren's in her shadow. But, like, the thing for me is that means Kelly has to leave next week, and Lauren has to pop up huge. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I just don't see this. Unless it's Lauren beating Kelly in the end, but I just don't, I guess I don't see that. Yeah. I think if I maybe had to pick before we started talking, Lauren's a good contender for fire making loser. Yes. Like, but she's a warrior. Remember? Yeah. And, uh, but she doesn't, I feel like Lauren doesn't lose if she makes final tribal council. Yeah. It's kind of tricky. eh? like, um, so like that's the thing. I guess I get what they see in her, and that it's hard to place her. Mm-hmm. 
But to me, I could see her leaving next week. Uh, or seventh or something. Like, or like just yeah. being like a sixth boot in the finale. Almost like yeah. Jay and Melanis vs. Gen X, where it's like, good edit, theoretically, but it's like missing something. Yeah. That's kind of Lauren. Mm-hmm. Or Davey, or... Yeah, for sure. Whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, almost an edit, but like... They're clearly... Like, clearly Lauren's not a priority to the editors. You know what I mean? That's the problem. Like, mm-hmm. with Davey, it's like, they'll throw in these awesome scenes, Davey does these great things, he gets good content, and then at some point, it's like, oh, this dude's not a priority for who's making this show. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. It's like... Lauren gets good scenes sometimes, but she's never been someone who needs to have her say. Like, there's those early Manu Tribal Council, like, consulted editorially. Like, Lauren's not a big player in those. Um, Stuff like that. It's just, we get the good bits of Lauren, but we don't always get the Lauren we need. Yeah, I agree. And, like, I think the thing is, is when you're thinking about the edit, what you have to be thinking about is the guy sitting there. Like the, it's not actually editors, obviously. It's narrative producers. Yeah. Um, who are thinking about how to tell the story, and a lot of it's conscious bias of like, well, I want to tell the story of the winner in like this way. Like, I want the winners to be good, so the casual fans feel happy. Blah blah blah. But beyond that, there's subconscious bias of. They're like, oh, what happened in that round? A lot of times when someone wins, you just assume they're better than they are. Like, um, they, people get attributed for things that they don't necessarily do if you're the winner, right? Um, mm. So, like, a lot of this is subconscious bias. And so, like, the, when they when the trailing back of, like, what happened in this episode, they're going to be going to, like, oh, what, what was our winner up to? They probably were doing something. That's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Um and I just, I, I have, like, unless they just didn't like Lauren, I just struggle to see what's going on here. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, I viewed some, like, online reality games, like Orcs now, and, like, when I go back, like, I don't want to see, like, what Sixth Place was doing necessarily. Like, I wanted to see what the winner was thinking mm-hmm. throughout the whole game. And, like, a human, this is a brief, uh, I guess, anthropology thing. But humans' brains are very good at pattern matching, right? Like, very good at, like, like um, taking something and putting it into something else. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, like, I wasn't sure what this person was doing round five. They win, and it's like, oh, that was brilliant. That thing yeah. that I wasn't 100% sure was brilliant at the time, watching it live with no edit, just raw data. I was like, mm, I don't know about that. But then they win, and it's brilliant. You know, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, like Sandra, anyone but me, looks really stupid if she loses in the jury. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I think <laughs> it's the simplest way to put that. And it's not like there's been tons of people who have been playing what they call an anyone but me, but it's really like they're the ones who get judged for being too game body or too emotional. Like, I mean, Laurel played anyone but me. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um... So I think that's the thing, right? Is I don't know. I just I, I I struggle to see Lauren as being a priority for these people. Yeah. So that's probably good for her. Yeah, I feel like we always talk a lot about Lauren because she is such a contender and it always gets really weird and yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh so next up I think we have both of our front runners, right? Yes. 
Rick Devins, who multiple times in this episode gets referred to by his first name underlined, or sorry, uh, subtitled, um, had an amazing episode. Yeah, especially coming off that rough episode. Yes. Which a lot of people thought was way more rough than I thought, but between that and the Joe montage I didn't see, maybe I have, like, I wasn't remembering that one quite, so. Yeah, um, I mean, like, the last episode was undeniably rough for Rick Devins, but yeah. I think the truth is that, um, like, how do I put this? So all the winners recently have had a really bad negative episode. Like, I feel yeah. like this was nowhere near as bad as, like, Ben steamrolling people or um, Adam stealing from the <laughs> trusting Taylor. Like, David even said, like, one of us is drunk and I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. And then Rick in this episode's like, I was right. Like, look, they were yeah. correct. Like, it was immediately validated. Like, yeah, I did vote wrong, but I was also right. So, like, yeah. and then, yeah. And then he, like, like, has this amazing episode. And to me, uh, this is the biggest thing in Rick's favor. So, the big thing that we left on last week, which kind of blew up on the Survivor Reddit sphere, was. If you remember uh, Trail Back, two weeks ago, I was like, Kelly's confessional talk about Rick is fabricated, right? Like, um, this didn't, like, clearly not the sentence, right? Right. Um, well, that blew up on Reddit. Turns out Kelly didn't mention anything like that, and she said, like, the last person I wanted to see was Reem or something. Um, it was literally, literally fabricated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, picture this. Why would they just randomly throw Kelly under the bus and make her hate uh, Rick? Strange. What does make sense is have explain or so say Rick wins. It's the only only timeline that makes sense to me where they just throw Kelly hardcore under the bus like that, um, which is Rick wins. Why do they do that that way? Well, it's because. It gives Rick justifiable reason to be so upset in that last that second episode. They can't edit around Rick and David voting against each other, having a big fight, like not like you know what I mean? Like that was captivating television. They're gonna mm-hmm. keep that. They're gonna keep the best friends big fight. So what do they have to do? They have to make Rick not look so bad. How do they make Rick not look so bad? You have Julie talking about how awful it would be to vote somebody right back to Edge of Extinction. You have Kelly immediately targeting him for no reason. You have Rick and David being like, what bad gameplay from Kelly uh, to justify Rick getting so upset. And then you have Rick explain afterward, afterwards. He literally gets a sandwich of justification for being upset in that episode. Mm-hmm. Like, over-justification. Yeah. Yeah, that's just really good all around. Like, I hope it pays out and, like, he does win. Like, it's interesting. Like, how can we, I guess, devil's advocate it and interpret it as, like, not winning? The biggest problem is the emotionality. Like, he's been kind of presented as kind of like a loudmouth. But, like, I don't know. I don't see this as any different. I see him as Ben. Like, he's getting the Ben edit. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, emotionally, like, it all seems to make sense within his character, though. Mm -hmm. 
which is like a terrible thing to say because why can't like Julie be emotional? Why can't Gabby be emotional? But yeah. like, but like it really reading how the episodes portrayed, it makes sense for Rick to be this like loud boisterous person who can say things like that and do that. And he's like the alpha of the like pair and he can do these things, which not great, but it makes sense edically. I think I agree. Um, I actually think it's a decent story because, like, I don't know, like, I get it, um, like, it makes sense. Uh, I feel like Rick is, like, a perfect edit right now, honestly. Like, this to me just looks like a winner. It just does. Um, I feel like we get so much content about how hard Edge of Extinction is. I don't think the second Edge of Extinction return is going to mount too much. I think it makes a lot of sense that Rick goes... And then everyone who's talking about how rough it was gets kind of like softly attributed to Rick because he was there. Um, mm-hmm. Like we get it. Like we ta- we hear how much it hurts to get blindsided, and we know he got blindsided. Another thing, like um, no matter which way you look at that Kelly thing, the episode he got voted out was presented like a funeral. Like it was sad that he's going because like it was just something that happened, completely unavoidable. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden we get Kelly hating him. It's like, oh, so when he leaves, people are like, oh, he did nothing wrong. He got kind of UTR'd on Edge of Extinction, so it's like, was he even there? Then he comes back, and Kelly's like, fuck this guy. All three things can't be true. There's clear manipulation. Yeah, I mean, that whole, just the episode he gets voted out in is so weird, because the next episode is just Lesu hating each other and so much internal, like, strife. It's just, like, that's one of the biggest reasons, like, why I think Rick is winning, because it wasn't presented as, like, two versus... Well, it was, but it wasn't, like, as strongly as it could be two versus two with War Dog in the middle. Yeah, like, you know, I agree with that. It was like, oh, we gotta vote someone out, and I guess I'll vote with David, and I guess Kelly will vote with Lauren, but, like... It all it's terrible all around. So, yeah, and even I think the another big like tiny thing here is so the merge episode no previously on. Um, so basically, like hey, pre merge doesn't matter. Uh, last week's episode no t- previously on. This week's episode previously on emphasizing the bond of Rick, uh, David and Rick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel mean, like. It also emphasizes something else, which we'll get to, but... Oh boy. Yeah, but you're right. Rick and David were a big part of it, so... We shall see. So that's probably good for Rick, right? Rick, we're both extremely high on this guy. Um, His story makes sense. He matches the themes. What if, if Rick gets voted out? Could he come back again? Yes. Is he... Yes. (laughs) And then he, like... Wins amazingly. Like, hmm. well, I don't know. If he gets voted out again, it's probably not as sweet. I don't know. I agree. I agree. Weird. And I also, I don't know. It's weird to imagine someone coming back from a vote out and winning, like the jury respecting that, but we'll see. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. There's always that idea that like someone could be like, well, you got voted out, so obviously you couldn't win this game if it were 
regular season. So, yeah, that's what we have for Rick. Should we move yep. on to Ron Clark? Our boy, Ron Clark. And so that brings us here to Ron Clark, who, I mean, I got a DM from you saying that you love Ron Clark now. Yeah, I think it's an interesting story in this messy season that, like, he was sort of, like, quiet-ish. We thought he was winning at one point. We were a little crazy. And then he became, like, the powerful puppet master last episode before his downfall. And now we're seeing him, like, recover from the downfall where he's almost sort of like just given up and is like, I just want to go with the numbers, but it's interesting. Like it's just I, an interesting I, I, portrayal. hundred percent agree here, dude. Um, Ron Clark's awesome. Like, like so such good casting, honestly, like, and he's a good story. Well told. He constantly gets good content. He's never really been invisible. Um, like, he really does hit on a lot of these themes. Like, he really is, if you think about it, other than Aubrey, the voice of the Kumbaya Survivor versus Gameplay Survivor. Um, like, he's talking about how, like, he wants the synergy, he loves Kama, like, he loves the yellow, yellow trap, all that. Um, like, he is that way, and now he was at his high when he was with Puppet Master, and now he's at his low, and he's groveling for support um, for anywhere you can find it. Um... I think it's really interesting. Uh, it's like a pretty good story. Um, and like he still has that advantage that he hasn't popped up. At this point, I'm kind of thinking it might not show up. Uh, but it had a lot of focus, so who knows? He's got good content in all the good spots at the merge, at the uh, premiere, swap, everything. Like I really think like I want to be considering him, honestly, because uh, he's a fun guy. And I'd love to see him win, personally. He'd be probably my favorite to win right now. I don't know. You know, <clears throat> I see, looking at my chart, he's dropped off at the merge. And I don't know if that was because he didn't play a big role there, or if I saw the preview, which very clearly presented him as, like, a villainous CPN type, which he then did do. Um, but now he's very quickly fallen out of that. And it's like, maybe Ron should come back? I don't know. It doesn't all add up. It doesn't. I don't really right. think he's gonna win. <laughs> um, like, I'd, ha- I'd like this might be. Hot. I would have him above Kelly. Um, probably. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I, I just because I can kind of see his story, but I think it's he just seems more like he's just like a fun character. Like this is probably your Christian, who like is no matter what getting content is fun. Um, has highs and lows, all that. Hmm. I feel like he just actually just naturally hits these themes more than he's being edited that way. Um, Cause like, for example, like him looking through Joe's bag, always making television. Yeah. Like, it's such a good shit. Um, and he'll always get the confessional. Like that confessional always airs. A lot of content is so good that it's, it's always going to air, um, mm. which is the problem. And I never in a million years would have thought that preseason. Um, normally our preseason assessments are actually, I think pretty accurate. Ron, I think we were wrong on. Well, we said it was weird, like really weird, but different kind of weird. Yeah. Like, kind of competent. Like, he's not like wacky, as wacky as we thought. Like, playing a very, like, okay game, like, going forward. Mm hmm. 
I think he like flipped when it was advantageous to him. Like, and he managed. Like, I think the one thing you can say about Ron Clark is it, he showed some ability to play at the top. He was able to orchestrate like a brilliant Joe vote, um, and then like he was in control on comma or whatever. And then he he does get like blindsided. Eric goes, but he's managed to stay over Eric when he's the more uh, leader type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in addition to that, he's now on the bottom and he's able to flip people back because he yeah. was just preaching loyalty. He all he showed his loyalty, so he's able to use that as capital. I think he's playing a very mature, competent game. Yeah, yeah, we love Ron Clark. He wasn't a candidate to get voted out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like. Kelly was getting voted out, and or David was getting voted out, or Julia. <laughs> yeah. Just very good all around, so. Yeah, like, I think he's great. Um, it's a well-told story. Uh, I could see him making it pretty deep, but I feel like it's more likely that he leaves, like, relatively soon. I hope he goes deep. Mm-hmm. He's one of these weird ones where it's just, he's such good casting that it's Hard to exactly place, but I feel like seventh or eighth or something probably is right where he's gonna be. Yeah, doesn't really feel like a finalist. No, like winning or not, like if he's like, a finalist, he's winning. Eh. I cannot see losing finalist Ron Clark. Like that's one of, like one of the few people I feel like. Hmm. Like, David can't be a losing finalist. Ron Clark can't be a losing finalist. I feel like mm, other, Gavin probably can't be a losing finalist. Other than that, I feel like everyone can be. Huh. Uh, Ron, I don't know. I feel like everyone almost has. Like, Rick can't be a losing. Well, I thought he could. Oh. Yeah, I don't feel like anyone could be. Couldn't be, I guess. Like, Gavin... I, I just feel like with the story being told, I don't, like... I just don't see the... Like, why did Ron Clark lose if he made the end? Like, his... His, like, his demise has been brought up as getting voted out. I get You know what I mean? Like, it's like... His demise is... He flew too close to the sun, was too big of a player. Like, you really see, like... You played too well... Ron Clark, that's why you lose. Like, that's why you get blindsided, right? Like, hmm. threats get voted out or win. He's identified as a threat. I just don't think there's a world that he goes to the end and loses. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like he would be undermined. I don't know. He's not making the end. He's probably like, <laughs> like he's he's gonna leave soon. Sure. So, um. With Ron Clark, is there anything else to bring up? I mean, he has a newfound buddy in Julie, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they've been buddies kind of for a while-ish. Yeah, but less uh, directly. Yeah. And I thought it was really funny when he he mentioned to vote at Victoria at the Tribal Council. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened there? Like, something weird. Like, I feel like we didn't get the story there. I don't know. I think I saw a tweet from Victoria where her like whole thing during that was like be in that Lesu plus Ron Julie group so they wouldn't think yeah. of voting her out. So 
I guess we can move on here to Victoria, who continues to be my favorite for things like that, right? Like, that's so smart. I think Victoria is the best player on this cast. Uh, like, player, like, st- strategy-wise? Yeah, and my favorite mm-hmm. character, too, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't see it this episode, for sure. Like... It felt like Victoria was very much, like, passive and, like, not... I mean, I don't know exactly what Victoria should be doing right now, but that's also not I a mean, good sign, I guess. Like, I I mean, I think the thing is she might not be in the best spot, but Aurora and Julia were, like, dead to rights. That, those are her two girls. You know, like, like, Julia was her girl, as far as we could tell. Like, that's her person. Um... And she immediately flips and, like, identifies, okay, the tide swung, they're a lost cause, I'm now with this group. Like, Okay, that's fair, yes. Perfect way, perfect way to play your number one ally completely blowing up their game of tribal council. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I guess maybe I see it. I don't know, maybe, like, David or Rick are also... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I feel like Rick... I feel like Rick has shown multiple times being a very bad player. Uh, like, hey, fuck you, War Dog is not good uh, play. Um, <laughs> That's true. Okay, but yeah, I think she's one of the best. Um, she's my favorite character. I think they've done not. A, I feel like they could have done a way better job with Victoria's story. Yeah, but still one that's fascinating because she is so fascinating, and you can tell she runs things. Like, uh, I think one thing that's underestimated or underreported about her is basically anything she says is what ends up happening. So. At the Ron Clark, sorry, at the Eric vote, uh, Gavin's like, wait, what if we do Ron Clark instead? And Victoria's like, mm, I don't think we should do that. And then they vote out Eric, Gavin's number one ally. At this one, um, Gavin's like, I think we should do David. He's a comp beast. And she's like, mm, don't think so. And then they were voting <laughs> Kelly. You know what I mean? Like, we literally saw, like, it seemed like I feel like she's the mover and shaker of this game. And the fact that she's not getting all that credit totally means she's not winning. Like, yeah. Yeah, and, like, just, I I think last episode would have been different, where she was in power, and maybe you could say this episode was a better one for her, where she was a little quieter, but the combination of both of them being fairly quiet doesn't really work. Like, we need to see some good strategy in there somewhere. I don't know, though, but you have Julia taking all the, like, Black for the Eric move, which is purportedly bad. So, <sighs> well, I think the one thing you could do, if you're like, okay, I want to edit Victoria to win. It makes sense if you like. I feel like the shielded from negativity thing actually kind of works for Victoria. Of like this plan that like this blind, this huge blindside that you have to show, completely backfires and results in the yeah. deck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Makes sense to not. Ha- I think it makes sense to not have Victoria, uh, be like, I let's kill Ron or let's kill Ron and Eric. Let's kill the big guys. In fact, she actually says the opposite. Right? Um, they go to her and she's like, "Do you think like let's vote out Eric?" And she's like, "No, that's stupid. Let's wait a couple rounds." Mm-hmm. Obviously, it doesn't oh, happen. Yeah. But yeah, she's separated from it. Like she votes with them, but mm-hmm. she gets to say that. Um. I think that's pretty crucial. Uh, so I like I wouldn't completely eliminate her because like there was some thought to be like 
wait, Victoria shouldn't be with these people. But I think it's more for a storyline perspective because I feel like she's going to re-pop up next episode with other people. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where she goes from here. I think sort of the way it was presented last episode looked bad to me where, like, she was the swing as far as the swing was portrayed there. And, like, it, we never heard from her explicitly on that. And then, like, she did it anyway. So, like, that's a little weird. I get your justification for it. And then this episode, I saw somewhere someone mentioned, like, they were very blatantly showing her scraping the pot during that awkward scene at camp. And I was like, Victoria's just, like, scraping that pot so annoyingly. Kelly said that, so... Like, they weren't treating Victoria as kindly as they could have, I guess. It wasn't annoying. It was just, she won't stop scraping the pot. I don't think it was like, oh my god. Like, it wasn't like Bradley being annoying. Like, you know, in, like, I feel like, hmm. I feel like it was just, because it was just Kelly being like, like, Julia's like looking at me all weird. Gavin won't look me in the eye. Aurora's asleep. Uh, Victoria's face the other way, scraping the pot. I think was the intention there. Okay. Well, I don't know. I didn't take that as particularly negative, okay. but I don't know. I don't know. I think these like slight things combined with her pre-merge just it doesn't all add up. Like Victoria's always been sort of tenuous and as other people had flaws, it kind of felt like she had a chance, but mm-hmm. I think it's just really not working out for her. And that. even in the time, right? Like, even when at one point we did have Victoria at the front runner, our big thing was like, well, all the other edits are bad too. But now some edits aren't bad, right? And so yeah. I can't further continue to think it's Victoria. Yeah. I don't know quite where she belongs in this episode, or like in the season. Like, I feel she could easily leave anytime. Yeah, for sure. Could be a losing finalist. It could easily just be like, you're too stone cold. She's a good double boot person. Good I double think. boot, yeah. Yeah. Like, Michaela left in a double boot. Like, don't forget that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's an association that the double boot is always like these huge, these like the invisible people leave in the double boot. But that isn't really, if you look at the double boot's history, it's usually like one of those people and then like a bigger person. Yeah, for sure. Like if I'm not cor- if I'm not incorrect here, Zeke left in a double boot. Yeah. Like, uh, and last season it was, um, oh, it was Jenna. And- it was Michael. Michael Yerger left in it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I don't know. I feel like this is an association that the double boot person's always like fodder, but it's not really true. Yeah. So I, I think Victoria is kind of a t- prime candidate there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to War Dog. The War Dog. Uh, he doesn't like apparently when you just say War Dog. <laughs> um, he added War Dog. He added me on Twitter and didn't like that. But um, so <laughs> the War Dog. I love this guy. Oh my god. Eh. I think <laughs> we've had the same conversation like episode. I think so too. Like, <laughs> I just like the. I think him playing Julia and Aurora, uh, Julia and who was it? It was Julia and Gavin. Last week was like 
a sight to see. It was like it felt special. It felt like something I haven't seen before. Of like just mind like Jedi mind straight up Jedi mind tricks. Like it was sick. Um then in this episode I feel like he adapted at Tribal Council perfectly. Um Yeah. I, I think he I don't know, I feel like he's all also kind of a candidate, I think, to win, but mm. I, I'm higher on him now than I've ever been. But I have so many problems with him still. Most like like he'd be I'd have it Rick David, uh, Julie, uh, who else can I, uh, Lauren Wardog, probably. Hmm. Yeah, I think my problems are the same. I think they just are, they feel a lot bigger to me. But it's like, the big thing is like, that I think a lot of people like about Wardog is his, recap coverage because we had a lot of that in the pre-merge like almost every recap was war dog centric then it disappeared and we were like so is it important like what's going on here and then it comes back and war dog gets all the credit again so in a funny turn of events war dog literally gets confessional being like and that vote was wild and i controlled it it was literally like what jeff had been saying in every recap mm-hmm so I think that's an interesting thing that they're doing. But it's also, we have to remember early on, Wardog would control the vote, but he was always only present in the last half of the episode. Like, we missed out on a lot of, like, camp life with Wardog, like, um, personal content necessarily. Mm. Like, he did get a little bit, but not very much. We don't know and, if like, this guy's, like, a dad or uh, anything. Like... At all. Like, we know he's in the military, but that's it. <laughs> like, and the, the other problem is the things we do know from that second, well, the combined, I guess, first and second parts of that double episode we got pre-merge was that he is all about calories, he's fishing, he's bad at challenges, um... Just all sorts of bad stuff for Wardog. Are you calling? Because you said that you have somebody else as a fire maker. Is it Wardog? Fire maker loser? I, did I say I have someone else as a fire maker loser? Mm-hmm. I, mm. You teased <laughs> that and didn't say. Oh, well, I don't remember doing that, but I guess Wardog does kind of fit there. Where, like, he's being portrayed as someone who doesn't isn't going to really care about it, but, like, no, I feel like Wardog could, like, I don't want to buy into the next time on, but, like, I think Wardog could go as someone who's just, like, too uh-huh. strategic and... Because I think they're really, like, showing him getting a lot of credit for moves, and I think they don't want to do that so much as a, like, winner thing. It's almost too many times to be a winner now. Yeah, like, it's almost, like, obvious. Like, it's almost like... like... Put aside the edit, but, like, he's literally gotten credit for, like, five out of the nine episodes. And it like, might even be more did, than that. Like, Yeah, two of them didn't even have a, like, recap. So, yeah. like, I think it's really just setting him up for, like, really validating that he's a big threat who needs to Mm -hmm. go. And, like, 
I don't know. It's almost like, could he be the Edge of Extinction returnee? Like, in a weird way? Like, you want this person to be important to some extent? So, really show him as a big player coming back? But, Uh I don't know. It just doesn't all add up. Like, I kind of get it. It's like a solid edit that uh, episode six, where he's super negative, really gets me down. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I guess I kind of get it. It just doesn't all add. And something they've done a lot in recent seasons, and maybe overall too, is subtly put people against each other who are in the final chapel council together. Uh, the best example I can think of off the top of my head, uh, Nick saying, well, if Angelina would do this for a jacket, what would she do for a million dollars? Um, we never really get to see them talk. There's no relationship there. And that's something we keep ragging on for Angelina, right? Is in Nick too is like, well, these people are clearly working together this whole season, but it never speak. And then all of a sudden they're at final travel council together and it makes a whole lot mm-hmm. of sense. Um, I feel like war has that with a lot of people. Um, I feel like war could easily be a losing finalist. Oh yeah. Like the losing finalist dog makes a lot of sense. And that like, um, we we know he's abrasive. We know apparently, like things we know about War Dog are like he sits in like that he sits there crunching numbers all day. I could easily see him losing because he didn't have any emotion. Um, like he's an excellent like he is the person for like if a pure gameplay approach isn't the right approach. Hmm. Like, like, you could have him on one side, Julie on the other, and then, like, Rick in the middle. Like That's what I'm predicting, honestly. Like, I guess early on I said, like, a returning player. But, like, the more like the thing for me is I feel like it's either Rick, Julie, Wardog, or it's Rick, Julie, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, that feels, like, <laughs> that feels right. Um, and... Wardog makes a lot of sense losing. Like, he really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just, like, there's just so much where it's... And I guess my take, uh, question here is, do you think this has been a well-told story with Wardog? Uh, not... Not really. Like, I feel like Wardog's story sort of started in the middle. Like, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be, like, this is War Dog. You already know what kind of person he is. He's going to play that way. Mm-hmm. And then we just never really got a start. And I think everything for that story has played out really well, but like it doesn't all add up. I think I agree. Like there's something wrong with this story. Like it just doesn't <laughs> feel quite natural. Um, like his first confessional is, I'm like about bad first impressions and how he's going to make sure he doesn't have those. But like, that sounds like an excuse. Like that sounds like Mike White's first confessional. What was that? Mike White's first confessional was like, um, it was basically the same thing. It was like, I'm like, he gets this like really long droning thing where he's just like, you know, I wrote the emoji movie, but like, I'll do anything for money. People think that just because I'm a screenwriter means I don't need it. Well, I'll, like, I'm way more than that. I'm an actor. Um, that was kind of Mike White's thing. Uh, and War Dogs was, uh, 
I believe. You know, in this game, I'm going to make sure that no one knows that I'm a lawyer because a law student, because in this game, um, first impressions really matter and they stick. That's what we're introduced with for, for War Dog, and he doesn't show up till the vote. Yeah. Like, I, the thing, the long term thing we're supposed to know is that he's bad at first impressions. <laughs> and that's really hasn't popped up. Like, everyone seems to love War Dog when they first meet him. Yeah. It's weird how the last time it was possible, like, we really saw Lesu dig into him. Like, here's all the ways War Dog's really bad. And then it really hasn't, like, come back yet. But, like... Yeah, that's the thing, is, like, that's why, to me, like, War Dog makes so much sense as a losing finalist. Like, even down to, like, this guy's so bad at challenges. Like, mm-hmm. like that's been brought up so much, and that's something they do use to, like, undermine losing finalists. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But Troy Zane got that a bit. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess for me, it's just like, we're not either leaving really soon or as the losing finalist. Yeah. And maybe could win. Sounds... Like, he's my number four, but... I think it's also like a... Like a bad story. So yeah, I guess I would definitely say not a good story so far. Yeah. I think it's fine if he, like... I think he actually makes a good losing finalist. Like... Yeah. I think they explain why he makes it there, why he's a good enough player to make it there, but also why he loses. In a way that, honestly, this might be... I feel like he's close to analog as, like, Russell Hans. In a way that... I feel like Survivor Samoa didn't explain why Russell Hans lost. I feel like Heroes vs. Villains did. I feel like War Dog matches heroes versus villains way more where it's like okay i get why this guy would not be liked but I like not liked by whom the jury okay huh. like I russell can't... hans i feel like in samoa it was like we i for me i i feel like that story is actually really poorly told because it doesn't we see Russell Hans being evil and confessional, but actually not very mean on the beach in Survivor Samoa. But I mean, not really many people talking about how awful he is, really, mm-hmm. until the end. Um, whereas in Samoa, obviously, you get like, Rupert saying, like, Russell's the devil or whatever. Um, and all kinds of Sandra, all that. This, uh, this one with War Dog is a lot more... We, we can see why people don't like him. People tell us why they don't like him. People... Like, he, again, crunches numbers all day, all that stuff. But he's not mean, really. He's just, he barks at you, and he's too logical. He doesn't factor in your emotions. I don't know. I guess, yes, I can see where they're trying to make it seem like the other castaways wouldn't like him come jury. But it really seems like it's also another problem with Russell Hansen similar is that like then the viewers were kind of like, this guy should have won, because like with all that recap focus, it's like but Wardog did like everything this season, so like. Yeah. But I feel like they're doing a better job of like, to the camera like look this guy like, hey casuals this guy sucks at challenges hey casuals this guy um yeah like. He sits and I guess, he sits by himself all day. It also depends on the validity of the whoever 
is the Natalie White in this case. Like, like uh, I think there's a lot better candidates for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, if it's like Aurora, like, get me out of here. <laughs> but like, everyone else pretty much is almost better. Like, I can see it. I, I do agree there. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about Wardog? No. Before we lay into Julia. <laughs> oh, Julia. Man, I actually love this story, though. I think this was maybe the best way to tell the story of Julia. Mm, I I think I disagree. Because in this episode, we got someone saying... We got Julie saying, Julia is a strategic threat. Like, she will win this game. And I think where the edit falls apart is they did, the not, they did not portray that strongly enough. Like, we can go back to Joe saying, Julia, you're a threat. And I think that it kind of wanted us to take that seriously. But like, I still don't. But, but like, I think maybe... When you're listing, when Victoria is listing the six of comma, like, put, like, somehow rhetorically say it so, like, Julia's in a power position, like, or just give Julia more content. Like, that's the easiest thing to do. But, like, um, yeah, it just feels like all of a sudden Julia was a threat, and I think that's the biggest problem. Okay, yeah, I'm going to walk back what I said a tiny bit. I think it's perfect up until this episode where they call her a threat. I think you have her show herself as a little bit naive early on. Um, and it's not a threat. She's a non-factor, yeah. right? Um, and then Joe all of a sudden is like, Hey, you're such a threat. I think it would have been really smart if they had Julia talk about Julia now becoming a threat. Like Julia, I pulled off this great move and maybe someone be like, eh, she's not really that. That's Yeah. Like, either leave out Julie's comment entirely and let, like, Julia shoot herself in the foot. Yeah, that was too much pandering to casuals. Like, this was almost an A-plus, S-tier survivor story in the background, right? And that's the thing we always talk about is, like, some of the best survivor stories are told in the background. This was exceptionally told up until this episode. when then they're like, oh, well, we need to do, we needed the, we need people to know that she's a threat or whatever. Like, to make it unpredictable. Like, almost just have, like, Julia, like, come into some power and be like, oh, yeah, me and Gavin can take control of this game now. Like, we weren't in control before. And then, like... When Joe said, I'm a threat, like, I'm ready to be here and play. And then Victoria, maybe even have people be like, okay, so who are the threats in the game? And don't list Julia even, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that happens, because I don't think these people really viewed her that much of a threat. Um... Because then it's a funny, ironic story of this person th- playing like a threat, thinking they're a threat, but they're not. And that'd be pretty funny. It's like Jedi mind tricks from Joe. Like, that would be really well told. Uh, but I agree. I think it. I think it's great up until this episode. And I guess I could, my reason why I still love it is I can forgive why they do that for this episode. Yeah. Because, like, they need to do something to, like... Like if you watch if you watch any Survivor episode of Survivor, basically if anyone's referred to as a threat, they probably get voted out. Like that's like the easy rule. And like for me, actually, during this episode, I was tweeting, being like, I feel like this is a Julia boot, but like I guess she's gonna get double idled out by Kelly and Lauren or something. Because mm-hmm. it just feels like a Julia boot because we keep getting this weird focus on her, 
And then it was, oh, she does get voted out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's still here. Like, I'm excited to see what Julie on Edge of Extinction is. Like, I assume they invisible her, right? Well, like, what if they christen Eric or, like... Yeah, maybe, maybe. That's a bizarre story that I kind of want to see told. I want to see her hanging out with Joe and looking through his bag again. And not getting any <laughs> confessionals. Just like like Joe's giving a confessional and in the background you just see her digging through his bag. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's all of our people here. Uh, and, I mean, let's go through... So, obviously, I've listed my winner list. Uh, what's your winner list? Um, Rick, number one... Uh, let's say, let's say David number two, and let's say okay. Julie number three. I really, I wish Julie, if Julie wins, I'll be the happiest person, but like, yeah, I need to, I need to let my laurels and Angelina go, and I need to. I'm, I really am, I'm Rick David, Julie too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Rick David, Julie. Those are by far the front runners to me. I think... Yeah. I think anyone else is almost like, it's not the greatest. Like, it's a really bad story. To I told. agree. I don't think there actually is a good story other than that. With the maybe exception of Ron Clark. Yeah, maybe, like, Ron Clark can bring it back. The problem is he's, I feel like Ron Clark's so unlikely to win that, while it would be a good story, if he wins, I just can't really see him winning. <laughs> Yeah, but then I would have been like, well, I did consider him for, like, two episodes, so, like... Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's it'd be okay. <laughs> I don't know. I saw it at one point, but... And I'm yeah, sure no, if... Ron I'm gets... sure if you stare at the sun too long, you start thinking Ron Clark's gonna win. And as he nears the end, I think it might creep back into our minds, depending I'm on what sure. episodes he gets, but... I can't wait for next week when one of us is like, Ron Clark's the obvious winner... I had a you dream. All are dumb. I had a dream <laughs> last night. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's good for a winner. Uh, who's leaving next here, Joe? Uh, it gotta pick two like, people. Feels like it could be so many people. Like, and who is it? Not like it's not Julie. It's not Rick. Not David. Not Lauren. Probably not Lauren. Not Gavin. Uh. So that kind of leaves me here with Kelly, Aurora, Wardog, Victoria. I want to say... Ron. Aurora, Victoria. I feel like Aurora... Ron. Aurora, Wardog. I'm going with Aurora Dog again. <laughs> They're never going to go home. It's going to be on I... Aurora, Wardog, Final 2. I mean, that's literally what happened in Ghost Island. Like, I, I think I was pretty on the money with the winner and, like, a lot of the stories. In every episode, I predicted Angela was leaving, and she literally never left in an episode. She didn't even get voted out. She, she didn't even get voted out. <laughs> yeah, so... Notoriously terrible at guessing who's going to leave next. Yep. Uh, yep, the season's going to end with Aurora winning. It's a war why War Dog loses. Yep. That's that's the T. So is that our episode? I think so. 
Okay, uh, you can contact us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. Um, new episodes go up usually on Saturdays or Sundays, but maybe sometimes on Mondays. I know, it's unpredictable. It's the edge of extinction. Um, they're shared on our survivor or edgic. You probably have a podcast catcher that is catching them for you. Um, review us on Apple Podcasts if you want. Um, sometimes we have our show notes, like our edgic charts or other stuff that might be helpful. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next week when we lose two more people to that pesky edge of extinction. And as always, follow me on Twitter at Danny Kills Bees. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at live tweeting and all my friends yell at me during me like, why are you on your phone? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to build a Twitter presence. But uh, yeah, so that's cool. Peace out. Yep. Bye.